I was praying and I was asking the Lord what I should share with you today. As you know, the word of the Lord that came to us is that we've come into a season of overflow. And for two weeks on Sunday, I began to share with you on the importance of the flow of the power of God. I talked about the power of God flowing through us. We looked at the book of Isaiah. As the Bible talks about two parallels. That on one hand, we're going to see the glory of God rising upon the church like never before. But then on the other hand, it's going to be a rise of darkness. So there, there's two parallel right there. The glory of God upon the church. The glory of God within the believer. And the believer carries this glory. And that's the reason why it's important that we are in the right place. Because see, there is a place where the glory of God resides. And I'm not talking about a physical place necessarily, but staying in the presence of God. And when we are in the presence of God and the presence of God is in us, we carry God's presence. We carry God's glory. And it is the will of God that there will be an overflow of the glory of God through your life in this season. Can someone say amen? The power of God shall flow through us like never before. Jesus said, he that believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do so. And even greater works because I go to my father. I like the fact he said because. The because actually implies that as he goes to the father, he sends us the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the glory of God. The Holy Ghost is the one that fills the believer up. The Holy Ghost is the one that uses the believer. That's why you look at the ministry of Jesus. You will realize that he did nothing without the Holy Ghost. The Bible says he was baptized when he came up out of the water. When John the Baptist baptized him in the river Jordan. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. And then the next thing you see, he begins to move in the power of the Spirit. Acts 10.38 tells us how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good. Healing all those that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And then in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 the Bible says Jesus actually speaking. It says ye shall receive power. The word power there is dynamite. Dunamis. We've got dunamis power residing in every believer. Can someone say amen? Ye shall receive dunamis power, fire power, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be witnesses unto me. Do we have witnesses here this morning? Can someone shout amen? amen? So for two Sundays, I looked at the flow of the power of God or the overflow of the power of God. And then last Sunday, we looked at the overflow of financial and material prosperity. Can someone say amen? How many of you know that God wants to so bless you this season? That there's going to come an overflow of financial and material increase. Come on now. I was just talking about earlier on how God's going to, we're going to raise up millionaires in this place. Can someone say amen? So there's going to come an overflow of financial and material prosperity in our lives and in this church like never before. Amen. My God, your amen is weak this morning. Amen. Today I want to speak to you on overflow of worship. We can actually look at it as extravagant worship and overflow of worship. We are in a season of overflow. The word overflow means flowing over. Excess. Over the top. 
So even when it comes to worship, it is an overflow of thankfulness, gratitude, appreciation, honor from our hearts towards God. We cannot give to God what He hasn't given to us. You can't love God if He had not loved you. So our love to God is what He gave us. Can someone say amen? amen? And that's all part of worship. Because when you talk about worship, you have to understand it's an excess. It's an overflow. It's a flowing over of thankfulness. It's a flowing over of gratitude, of appreciation, of honor from our hearts, of love to God. But we've got to understand that all of these flow from our hearts because God put them there first. And I thought someone would say amen. amen. So an overflow of God's love into the believer produces an overflow of love from the believer to God. The Bible says in John chapter 4, let's turn over there, John chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 21 to verse 24. An overflow of worship. So today I'm speaking to you on the subject of worship. John chapter 4, the gospel of John. We read from verse 21. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. You know, that's the case with a lot of people today. They worship, but they don't know who they worship. Really. And that's the reason why a lot of people are not caught up in the realm of God when they worship. Because they, they don't have a revelation of who they're worshiping. That's so very true. In Matthew chapter 2, this is a popular chapter in the Bible when Christmas time comes around. They talk about the wise men that came all the way from the east to worship the Savior that's just been born. But think with me now. If these men did not have a revelation of whom they were coming to worship, do you think they'll leave all the way from the east to come down to Jerusalem? They would not. In actual fact, the Bible says that when they arrived and they saw the baby, they fell flat on their faces and they worshipped him. I've, I've gone to houses and to homes where people delivered babies. I've never entered and fell flat on my face to worship any baby. I've never done it. I've gone in there, prayed for the baby. I've gone in there, given gifts to the family, given gifts to the baby. But I've never gone into a house where a new baby was born and bowed down and worshipped the baby. Because I understand the baby does not deserve my worship. Is that correct? When those men came from the east, that was a very tedious journey. I know people preach this message only during Christmas. But that's not what I do. Because I understand that it's not just about a season. Worship is something that we do on a daily basis. And if you don't have a revelation of who we are worshiping, then your worship will not be important. People come to church 
and they don't even lift their hands because they have no idea of whom they're standing before. People come to church and they are busy on their phones. Why? Because they have no idea of the person before whom they stand or before whom they sit. They have no idea. But these men came all the way from the east with a revelation. I want to say revelation. They had a revelation that they were going down to Jerusalem to see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And guess what? When they came, they did not come empty-handed. They came with gifts befitting a priest. They came with gifts befitting a king. Are you listening to me? They understood that a king has just been born. Though he looks like a little child, but this is God that has appeared in form of a man. Can someone shout hallelujah? So they had an understanding of whom they've come to worship. If you notice Jesus' conversation with this woman of the world, Jesus said to her that you worship what you do not know. That's the case with many. That's why I'm emphasizing this. Because many are in church, but they don't know who they are worshiping in church. In actual fact, many are in church and they worship the man of God. They worship the man of God. They're not worshiping God. They're worshiping the man of God. We've not been called to worship any man. We honor people, but we worship God. Come on now. I say we honor people, but we worship God. God is the only one that deserves our worship. Praise God. If your man of God shows up in service... And you stop worshiping because your man of God just showed up. I was telling the Bible school students that yesterday. That's some, something that also needs to be preached to preachers. Really. Some preachers just want to sit in their office. Church finish worshiping and I'll show up. Are we here to worship you? You don't go to church to worship a man. You go to church to worship God. Amen. Can someone say amen? amen? I was telling the story. You know, I heard the story of this service was in, 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 in session and everyone was worshiping. The moment the man of God showed, showed up, they stopped the music because the man of God just came. Are you worshiping the man of God or are you worshiping Jesus? So we worship who? Jesus. So he said to the woman, you worship, but you don't know what you worship. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. That is a very powerful key when it comes to worship. God is spirit. God is not a man. And I believe one of the biggest problems that Christians have is the fact that God is invisible. You come in here, you don't see him physically. You've got to close your physical eyes and open your spiritual eyes. Are you listening to me? 
You've got to close your physical natural eyes and open your spiritual eyes. And that's why when we lead worship up here, we're always encouraging people, close your eyes. Listen, listen, we're not just telling you to close your eyes because it's a cute thing to do. We tell you to close your eyes because we want you to stay focused on the Lord alone. There are so many distractions sometimes. You can't be looking around in a time of worship. You've got to close your physical eyes and put your spiritual eyes on the Lord. The Bible says, looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We're here to look unto one person and one person alone. And his name is who? Jesus. Can someone say amen? amen. God is spirit. Say that with me. Say it one more time. God is spirit. That is so important. That we understand that God is spirit. And Jesus continues by saying, And those who worship him must. It's a must. Worship in spirit and truth. So in a time of worship, your heart needs to be involved. One of the things I've learned is sometimes some things come to clog up your heart. Some things come to clog up and just stay there. It could be something that transpired between you and someone before you came to church. It could be something that happened a week ago. It could be a bad news you received. It comes to clog up and just block up your heart. It could be strife. It could be unforgiveness. Whatever it is that will stop you from coming into the presence of God, you need to get rid of that. Because you see, when you carry a heart like that, you cannot fully come. When you carry stuff like that, you can't fully worship because you will be so distracted. That's the reason why you need to let go of all those things that has been heaped up upon you. Get rid of them and focus on the Lord and worship Him. Can someone say amen? We need to raise up a people here that understands the power of worship. We need to raise up a people here that understands that we do not come to see a man. We've come to see Almighty God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Can someone say amen? And whenever we come, we revere him. Whenever we come, we honor him. Whenever we come, we are grateful to him. Whenever we come, we tell him, Lord, I have come to experience you. Because every opportunity in the house of God is an opportunity to experience God. This has to be an experience for each of us. This is not something that we are told of. This is something we experience. Worship is an experience. The presence of God is an experience. I told the worship team yesterday, I said, you can't take people to a place you've never been to. A lot of people have never been into the place of intimacy with God. That is the reason why they can't take people there. But if you're being there, you can take people there. Because you know the way to the place. Can someone shout amen? Amen. Can someone shout amen? amen? That is why it is important that each person develops their personal life of worship with God. Worship does not end when we leave church. And worship, to be very honest with you, is not playing guitar and playing the keyboard and playing the drums. Because there are many places where you have all these musical instruments and orchestra, but the presence of God is not there. 
Are you listening to me? So this is not worship. This is not worship. <coughs> not that I know how to play. <laughs> some, of you, some of you think I do. This is not worship. Worship comes from your heart. <coughs> worship, it's a love relationship with God. Worship is not music. Worship is the condition of your heart poured out to God. Worship is honesty before God. Worship is not singing songs. Some people think worship is a slow song. Worship is not a slow song. Praise is not a fast song. If you ever thought that way. Bible school, we asked, the question was asked, worship is a slow song. Uh, through or four, someone said through. <laughs> worship is not a slow song. Don't get it twisted. Praise is not a fast song. Praise is not what we do and dance with. All of that must come from your heart. Because so many times I worship without music. Are you listening to me? But singing is important. But we don't limit worship to singing. You can see here, when Jesus is speaking to this woman, Jesus did not say, woman, where is your guitar? Woman, where is your harp? Where are your stringed instruments? No, Jesus did not say that. Jesus said, those that worship must worship in spirit and truth. Can someone say amen? amen? I believe spirit refers to your heart. The involvement of your heart in a time of worship. I believe truth refers to worshiping in truth according to the word of God. Over the years, there are songs that's been released in the body of Christ. It has done nothing but to put people in bondage. It has revealed lies about God. Our songs must be done in truth. The truth of the word. So I go through the lyrics of a song and I read them and I listen to them. And um, I just say, no, that's not for me. Some of the songs that I've been reading are very, very good songs. They move you emotionally. But they don't have any spiritual input into your life. I'm not interested in those. I'm interested in songs that are scriptural. And I'm talking about songs that are New Testament scriptural. Praise God. It's getting quiet now. Praise God. So when we sing in truth, we're singing according to the truth of the word of God. According to the truth of the cross. According to the truth of the blood of Jesus. According to the truth of righteousness. According to the truth of what's available to you and I in the new covenant. And I thought someone would say amen. amen. That is the truth that's required. So if a song is talking about the blood of Jesus covering my sin. I know that that song is not scriptural. And there are some part of the song that might be scriptural. But that particular aspect is not. And guess what that is? It's a mixture of truth and error. And guess what? Truth and error will never mix. 
His blood does not cover sin. His blood used to cover sin under the old covenant. When the high priest will go into the most holy place with the blood of bulls. And the blood of bulls will cover the sin of the people of Israel for a season. And the high priest will have to go in again the next season. But under the new covenant, the blood of Jesus does not cover sin. The blood of Jesus washes sin away. The blood of Jesus takes the sin of the sinner away and throws the sin into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. Because the east and west never meets. He does not remember your sin ever again. If he forgave you, he forgave you. And the sin is no more in your account. So when I read the lyrics and I hear the song talking about my sin is covered, my sin is dead. No, my sin is not covered. And then you hear songs like, you're a sinner saved by grace. I said, no, I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner, but I've been saved. And I'm saved. Are you listening now? No, we have to understand these things. So Jesus said, the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit. Everyone say spirit and truth. Now, some songs are the to dance some songs are designed to just get you to wriggle your waist you know some songs are designed to just get you to sweat you know so you can do that if you want early days of this church people would come to me they'll ask me uh, Pastor God, uh, uh, why is it that you people don't do uh, African songs there's nothing wrong with African songs. But this is not an African church. This is very multicultural. So if I start singing, by my side, by my side, by my side, by my side. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, <laughs> and then you have a bunch of Filipinos. They have no idea. By my side. <laughs> and then you have someone like Andrea. She's from the USA. She has no idea what by my side, by my side, by my side. And I know what people learn. People learn. And we've done that. Pastor Corey loves that. Pastor Lena loves that. Pastor, my God, they're always the first to start by my side, by my side. There's nothing wrong with that. But you can't just build everything around by my side, by my side. Satan, don't fall for God. You can't build everything around that. We have to be very careful. And some of the songs are not scripturally based. Satan has fallen into a gutter. Say, when? When? Huh? I know some of you have no idea because I just sang in broken pigeon English. When? Satan fell into a gutter. Satan fell into a ditch. When? When? And people will sing and dance and sweat and soaked. You thought they just came out of the shower. But you know what that is? It's nothing but emotion. That has no presence. You get happy. Get excited. There's nothing wrong in getting happy. There's nothing wrong in getting excited. David danced before the Lord. To the point where he began to take off his, his outer garment. Yes, I know that. But don't forget. He was doing it in the glory of God. 
He was doing in the glory of God. Because he was bringing in the Ark of the Covenant into the city of David. Can someone say amen? amen. You and I would, would agree that when Michael, the daughter of Saul, who of course was David's wife, because he, she mocked David in her heart. The Bible says that she couldn't bear a child until she died. Why? That reveals to us that David was not dancing in the flesh. David was dancing to the glory of God. Amen. Can someone say amen? amen. So even in the, in the church, there are times that people dance in the flesh. In the flesh. Because of some of the songs that the church over the years have imbibed, have accepted. And we think it's okay. But we've got to begin to look at these songs critically. And ask ourselves the questions, are these songs in truth? Everyone say truth. <clears throat> are these songs in truth? Truth of the new covenant. To worship means to give worth to. To esteem. It means to revere. So when we worship, we're giving worth. We are, in actual fact, we are understanding the worth of God. Our God is worthy. To esteem. We understand how esteemed our God is. There is known as esteemed as our God. To revere. We reverence God in worship. I thought someone would say amen. amen. Worship is a daily relationship. Worship is a daily fellowship. Not just what we do in the morning on Sundays. And even what we do in the morning on Sundays, it's just interesting how when you start a service, you find out that just one third of the people are there. And then people start coming in one hour after worship. And you ask yourself the question, what is going on? Don't you realize that worship is not preliminary? Let me say that again. Worship is not preliminary. It is not what we do to prepare. Worship is the main part of the service. People coming one hour after the service starts and they wonder why they're not having victory. Because they are not worshiping. They come here, they want to sit and listen to me preach. And their hearts can't receive. The word is flying over their heads because their hearts are not ready. You've got to endeavor to wake up and come before the Lord on a Sunday morning whenever the door is open. And make sure before they strum the guitar and play the first song, you are there lifting your hands and worshiping your master. People take these things for granted. They think, oh, I just come when Pastor God is about to preach. I just want to hear the word of God. I just want to, but your heart's not ready. It's important to come early. It's important to come understanding it like the wise men all the way from the east. It's interesting, these wise men in Matthew 2 came from the east. The east is in particular Iran. In a modern day time. Talking about Persia, Iran. All the way from Iran, they came to worship Jesus. And it was not a day's journey. It was probably several months, maybe four, five, six months. Back then, they had no airplanes. 
they used horses or donkeys or camels. Is that correct? It was a very rigorous journey. When you embark on a journey like that to go see someone, it means this person is very important. But you have people that live in Taksim. And they say they, they woke up late. Or pastor. Somebody told me some time ago, some years ago, pastor, I live very far. That's why I didn't come to church. I said, where? He said, Aksarai. <laughs> you live in Aksarai. You know what that shows me? That shows me the heart condition of people. If your heart is not involved in this, then it's going to be a drag. You're going to drag yourself out of bed. You're going to drag yourself into church. Even while you are in church and people are lifting up their hands and acknowledging the glory and the presence of God in the house, you will have no clue of what is going on. Do you know it is possible to sit in a service and one person is getting touched and the person sitting beside them is not? It's all about your heart. It's all about your heart. It's all about your heart. And your heart must put value into the things of God. If you don't have value for the things of God, you are not going to draw anything from it. Can someone say amen? amen. So when we come, we come to worship God. When we come, we come to revere God. When we come, we esteem God and we understand the worth of our God. Our God is big. Bigger than all gods. Can someone say amen? amen? There is no one like our God. There is no one as mighty as our God. There's no one as great as our God. There's no one that can do the things that our God can do. My God, I thought someone would shout hallelujah. Our God is big. Our God is awesome. Our God is marvelous. Worship is pouring out your heart to God in love, in appreciation, and gratitude. And one of the things I've also discovered when we talk about worship, even praise, is you notice some people, they only lift their hands and begin to respond when you play a song that they like. That's, that's when they respond. But you, you must understand that a true worshiper would worship with any anointed song, whether you know it or not. So it's possible for me, who don't know a word in Farsi, that I could come to a service when, where they are singing songs in Farsi. Farsi is the language spoken in Iran. Or I come to a service where they are speaking Arabic. And the presence of God will be there in a service where they are singing songs in Arabic. And I can lift my hands. I don't have to know the words. Because I connect with my heart. Can someone say amen? amen? I don't have to know the lyrics. Some people, some people just like that song. Hey, that song gets me going. They begin to show. They begin to show. You know what that is? That's flesh. Because if you worship with this song and you can't worship with that song, then there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with the song. There's something wrong with you. It means your heart is not there. It means you don't have a revelation. Is this helping anybody? Worship is forgetting about yourself and focusing only on Him. A song is good, but
But listen, a song is, is like a vehicle that brings you into the presence of God. Have you noticed how when you truly worship God and the presence of God will show up in the house? It could be in your bedroom. It could be in a service like this. And when the presence of God shows up in a place, guess what? All your anxiety, all your worries, all, all the fears just disappears. Have you noticed? And, and the moment the presence of God shows up, all those things are ir irrelevant. They are ir irrelevant. They, they, don't even, they don't even affect you anymore. You know why? Because when God's presence shows up, the awesomeness and the greatness of God begins to overwhelm you. And when the awesomeness and the greatness of God overwhelms you, you forget about every problem. There's got to come an overflow of worship from your heart. Can someone shout hallelujah? Can someone shout hallelujah? Can someone shout hallelujah? Just as an anointed song can affect your life, that is also how a twisted song can affect your life. Lucifer was created with the ability to produce music. It is believed that he was the leader of the heaven's choir. And it's also believed that when he fell from heaven, he fell into the choir. That's why you discover most of the times in churches, the problem with the pastors have in many churches will come from the choir. Most of the time. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Sometimes it's the worship leaders who are close to the ministry and they kind of rub shoulders with the pastor. And you know, when they minister and, and the presence of God begins to flow, they also think that, yes, I, I'm anointed. Yeah, you are anointed, but, but maintain your place. <laughs> Lucifer did not want to maintain his place. He said, I will be like the Most High God. No, you're not supposed to be like the Most High God. You're supposed to be Lucifer. <laughs> you were created by God to worship. To be Lucifer, the son of the morning, beautiful, with the ability to produce music. And he knows that there is something that music does to people. He knows that because he knows music. And guess what is done even with people that God has called and God has gifted even with music what the devil has done and you can see it even in the secular music today that what the devil has done is taking the gift and twisted it that's why i'm saying to you just as an anointed godly anointed song can affect your life that is how twisted songs can affect your life don't be deceived that you can play those music and be free you're going to open up your life to spirits. And those spirits will come and they mess your life up. You've got to keep your life clean. Come on now. Getting quiet now. You've got to keep your life clean. If God, if God 
has called you and God has put his hand upon you, you've got to keep it clean. Can someone say amen? amen? Think about some of the secular musicians who were raised up in church. Some of them were singing in church choir. But what did, what did the devil do? The devil introduced, the devil began to introduce, of course, when I said the devil, he uses people to begin to lure them. To begin to lure them. Hey, come. The church can't pay you like we will. You're not going to be popular enough. You're not going to be famous enough. And so people leave the house of God and they take their gift and serve the devil with it. For what? For fame and fortune. For what? For fame and fortune. But guess what? The devil never gives you anything for free. For the thief cometh to steal and kill and destroy. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Are you listening to me? That's why we must be careful because many have been destroyed and many have been, have been devoured by this devil. That's why we must be very careful and keep the music clean. Come on now. It's getting quiet now. Say amen. amen. Or maybe somebody needs to just repent here today. I was in the office. This was years ago. We're just here, you know, but there was no service, just hanging out with a few people. And a call comes through. The phone rings. Bob Marley. <laughs> Bob Marley was the ringtone. When you're with Pastor and Bob Marley plays, you run and. <laughs> <laughs> Rastafari. That's what, that's what. No, really. Just even you can go do a study on that. I do a study on a lot of things. Go do a study on that. Go do a study on that. Not every music is from God. And if every music is not from God, then we have to be careful what we are playing in our homes. Does it matter? Yeah, it matters. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. But it is what goes in through the eye gates and through the ear gates that will be, that will be deposited in your spirit. And it is what you have in you that's going to come out of you. My son, be diligent. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Your life is determined by what you carry. Your life is determined by what you carry. Your life is determined by what you carry. What you carry inside is what has gone in you. Jesus said a good tree will produce good fruit. A bad tree will produce bad fruit. It's what you carry. What you're allowed to go into you. So the devil has corrupted music. But let's understand that music was not his creation. Music is God's creation. Are you listening to me? But he's, he's been able to corrupt it because when he fell, God did not take that ability from him. Because the gifts and the callings of God are what? 
irrevocable. Once they have been given, they will not be retrieved. So the wisdom was not taken from him, but rather the wisdom he corrupted. Are you listening now? And that's why you have this other side. Everyone said the other side. The other side where there is an overflow of wickedness. The other side where there is an overflow of ungodliness. The other side where there is an overflow of the activities of the devil. And one of the ways, listen now, one of the ways young people are, are influenced is music. Music is one of the major influencers of people. Are you listening now? And some of the music that people listen to, I don't even understand. Even if I was not a Christian, I wouldn't listen to them. I don't understand. You hear some of this, you don't know what you're talking about. What are you saying? I don't have an idea what you're talking about. Does not even interest me. Does not even move one nerve in my brain. It doesn't. It doesn't. And but people get excited. People get, uh, hip hop, hip hop, mama. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me come over here to the back because it looks like some people. <laughs> now we can we can have thousands of songs in our iPhones and Blackberry and Samsung, all the smart devices you have. You can walk on the streets just listening. Right? We can talk about heavy metal rock. We can talk about all these, the lyrics of some of these songs that people play that's so twisted and so evil. You listen to some of them. I mean, people, people literally, literally commit suicide just by listening to heavy metal rock. Literally, to take their lives. What some songs do, it's stir people up sensually. Did you know that? There are some songs you just start listening to them. You'll be thinking about a girl. But why are you looking at me like that? Like you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you listen to them, some songs. You just be thinking about the, a boy. Because they do what? They stir you up sensually. We don't need to have any business with songs like that. Jesus said the time is coming and now is when true worshipers must worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Amen. Don't play games anymore. Don't play games anymore. Don't come to church and sing my Redeemer lives and go back and play something else. It's time for true worshipers and my God we will raise up true worshipers in this house. Amen. We're going to raise up those that love the Lord, those that have the fear of God, those that understand spiritual dynamics. Amen. Those are the people we're raising up in this place. We shall keep it clean in Jesus' name. Amen. So that when we get together and when we live in unison and we worship, there's going to be a corporate anointing here. I need the presence of God in this house. Amen. I don't want flesh. Presence of God. Because that's all I need to do my job. 
When God is here, people are going to be healed. Blind eyes will open. The cripple will walk. Cancer patients shall be healed. Blood diabetes will be. I don't care what the devil does. When God shows up, then the story will not be the same. I want God in this house. Can someone shout hallelujah? That's why we're not going to put up with any crap of the devil. I'm going to preach so hard and so hot. That if there's any crap of the devil, it will be kicked out of this place. Only God is glorified in this house. Only Jesus is lifted up in this house. Can someone shout hallelujah? Come on, give him praise if you're excited. Parents, watch what your kids are listening to. Do that. It's your job. Don't tell me, oh, no, we live in a free world. We don't live in a free world. <laughs> we, didn't, we live in a very controlled world. Controlled by the Holy Ghost or controlled by demons. So don't deceive yourself to think you live in a free world. Let children do whatever they want. No. You don't do whatever you want. And sometimes I just look at some adults in the church and they are like children. I have to get in their faces. Give me your phone. Let me, let me see. Come on now. Give me your phone. Let me see what you're doing. The pastor, you're being controlling. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. You mean you're going to look into my phone? Maybe I might. I might look into your phone and see what you're doing. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. But really, parents, don't let your kids just listen to anything. You're not, you're not tuning to MT, is it MTV. You're not tuning to MTV. Oh, you're not tuning there. And see people shaking their behind. You're not, tuning, you're not going there. Sanctified. <laughs> Sanctified pastor. <laughs> No, you're not, tuning there. you're not tuning there. You're not tuning there, young men, and see women showing everything. That's what the devil wants them to do, to show you everything. And then your, 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 your whole... Huh? Then you start thinking about all kinds of filth. And you wonder why you're having a bad dream. Yeah, see, wor no, worship is a clean thing. Worship is clean. Let them, listen, the Bible says, let them that name the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Worship is a clean thing. Let's be worshipers of God, not worshipers of flesh. Let's be worshipers of God, not worshipers of, of, of secular ideals. Let's be worshippers of God, not worshippers of the devil. Can someone say amen? Because yeah. that's what they offer them. If you come, if you would just open up your button three and let them see. You become a millionaire. And, and you, we live in such a time where men, young men, 
are being attacked. Bombarded. Bombarded. On a daily basis. Whether it's the billboards. Whether it's television. Whether it's advertisement. Whatever it is. You're always seeing that. They're always coming at you. 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 That's why even on our worship team, I am very, very careful about the way our people dress. I've talked to them about dress code. We have a dress code. Don't come here and wear tight stuff and everybody's seeing everything. We're not not coming here to look at flesh. We're coming here to worship Jesus. Preaching raw now. Preaching. I'm preaching now. Come on, get excited. I'm preaching the truth. And I'm not here speaking against ladies. But it's just that it comes across as if the devil is using the ladies. More than... No, really, when it comes to this area. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about those that... I'm talking about... I'm talking about those that are not here. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about those that did not come to church. Not you. Not, not the ladies here. The ones that are not in church. In actual fact, the ones that don't come to this church. <laughs> Those are the ones I'm talking about. See, I don't care. I can do anything. I can flip. I can... See, I'm a man. I can jump around. Look... Nothing. I'm good. I'm good. See? Everywhere covered. Look at me. I'm so covered to my neck. Amen. Everywhere. Covered. All the way. All the way. <laughs> all the way. <laughs> all the way, all the way. So come out all the way. From head to toe. Socks, everything, shoes, they covered. You see my head? Look at my neck. You can see my head from here. My That's all you see. No, really, think about it. That my head and my that's all you see. But sometimes you look at some ladies, they think they are entitled to show off. They think that they have this entitlement. Show, sure, let me show, I'm a lady. And so they come to church. <laughs> Where's one of my rags? Should I preach? It's not for you. 
<laughs> Bring yours. <laughs> I, use, I use this to cover people when they fall out under the power. Some songs will bring depression. Depression. Just as an anointed song will lift up your spirit, encourage you, boldness, faith will come. The size of your God will be revealed. But there are just some songs, they just bring a heaviness, depression. And some people like to play those songs. The song just weighs you down. The song just begins to make you think about your grandmother. <laughs> and what happened 20 years ago? And then you see some people begin to cry. You think they're crying because God's touching them. No, they're not crying. They're not crying because God's touching them. They're crying because they're thinking about something that happened 20 years ago. Some songs just weigh, weigh heavy on you. They, they, they cause depression. How do we worship? We worship with a song. A true worshiper is always singing. My wife may not know, but that's something I've discovered of her. She's always singing. In the house. Always singing. The kitchen, always singing. Sometimes in our local dialect. But always singing, always singing. You don't need a guitar to sing. A true worshiper is always singing. Making melody to God. Whether there is Chica or Terry or... No, a true worshiper is always going to be singing. You don't have to have a great voice like this young man. Because God's not looking at that. God's looking at your heart. A true worshiper is always singing. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. And be not drunk with wine. Wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit. Speaking to yourselves. With psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Spiritual songs are spontaneous songs. Songs not planned. But you can also sing in the Holy Ghost. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always. See, thanksgiving is part of worship. Not complaining. The reason why God was so upset with the Israelites when they were in Egypt was because they complained and complained and complained. A lot of people are so full of complaints. They don't see what God's done. They see what they don't have. And as long as you keep seeing what you don't have, you'll never be grateful. But I can stand here this afternoon. I can guarantee you that God has done something good in your life this year. God has done something good in your life last year. For that you can be grateful. And honestly, you don't have to look too far to see what God's done. The air in your nostrils, that's from God. You're breathing. That's from God. You are here today. That's from God. Many are incapacitated in hospitals. They can't even move. They are feeding them with tubes. But here you are, strong and, and hell and healthy. 
and, and people complain, I don't have this, I don't have that. Lord, when are you going to give me? Lord, when are you going to bless me? Lord, Lord, when, when? They're always questioning God. Then why don't you turn that into faith and begin to thank the Lord for His goodness, for His mercy, for His grace, for His provision, for His kindness, for His love. Come on, our God is good. We serve a good God. We serve an awesome God. We serve a mighty God. We serve a majestic God. Our God is awesome. Our God is glorious. Our God is wonderful. There is no one like our God. Come on, lift your voice and give Him praise and give Him glory. Come on, take a minute and give Him all the praise and glory and honor. Lift your voice to Him. Lift your hands to Him and worship Him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Some of the songs that has been handed down to us, to the church. Songs like, Great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my Father, no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. Songs like that. You don't have to be in church to sing it. All alone, you can sing that to the Lord. And listen, the moment you begin to sing songs like that, His awesome presence shows up. He comes into your room. He comes into your bedroom. He comes into your home. And I tell you, my God, you're going to be so refreshed, so encouraged, so strengthened. People are worried about all kinds of things. Instead of worry, sing. Instead of worry, sing. Instead of complaining, praise. Our God is great. Our God is great. That's our God is great. That's our God is great. Our God is great. But you see, you can't become a true worshiper. Until you, your heart is fully sold out to God. And how does that begin? It begins by coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You can't call yourself a worshiper of God if Jesus is not the Lord of your life. The Bible says, He that hath the Son has life. But he that does not have the Son does not have life. 